Good morning, good morning, good to have you all. Brother Chuck's going to come up right now before I forget him again, and he's going to let us know what he's going to be doing tomorrow night for the Bible Institute. So come on up. Good morning. Um, tomorrow evening we'll uh, have an opportunity to talk about our nursing home ministry, and uh, so be praying, and if you have an opportunity to come out, um, COVID kind of changed things for a couple years, and now we're back in a nursing home doing ministry. Um, a lot of opportunities for you to get involved with it. Um, Brother Joe is putting together a presentation for us. We were able to get some of the residents uh, on camera um, talking to us, as well as we videotaped some of our service and took some pictures. So we'll get that to you tomorrow evening. You'll get to be able to see that, see some of the residents. Um, they would love to come visit our church sometime if that ever happens, so we may be able to bring some in, but we're waiting for the nursing home to be able to do that, let them travel, but pray for them. It's a great opportunity for you to get involved if you're interested in getting involved, whether it's praying, uh, giving. We're trying to uh, bring Bibles to all the residents at the nursing home, and so we're going to be raising some funds for that. So there's some, a lot of ways you can get involved if you want to. So come tomorrow evening, and we'll share some of those things with you. Thank you, Okay, let's see what we have in the way of other announcements for you uh, today. First time joining us, if it is, then please stop by the, uh, the stand out there at Welcome Center, and uh, we have a gift for you, and we, if you're joining us online for the first time, sbtnd.org slash connect. We'd love to hear about uh, your visit. It's always an encouragement for us whenever we see, uh, see visitors both places, and so excited about that. We do have our Bible Institute tomorrow night. Uh, we're continuing our class on addictions, and uh, it's been well attended, so... Uh, this time it'll be, last week was doctors, first week was pastors, doctors uh, perspective, and tomorrow night will be nurses perspective. And so uh, we have some nurses that are going to share with you what they've seen and how uh, addictions are impacting and what we can do as Christians to uh, help out there. So if you're interested in that, uh, be here at 7 o'clock. Then Brother Chuck was talking about uh, his classes on uh, the nursing home ministry. If you're interested in getting involved in one of our nursing home ministries, then uh, stop by and uh, that class tomorrow night, that'll be a great blessing to you as well. Our missionaries of the week are the Mackays. I'm not at liberty to go through all the, the issues that we're praying for, but uh, most of you probably remember uh, some of the things that they were going through. And we're praying for the Mackays that uh, God would just uh, keep them encouraged and focused and, and get them back to what he would have them to do. Uh, looking for that. So our nursery, uh, this is our year for babies. We've got uh, 10 babies being born in 12 months, unless somebody else needs to make an announcement. Um, but uh, in the meantime, we're beginning to need some help in the nursery. Uh, so if you aren't working in the nursery, ask yourself, why am I not working in the nursery? And uh, start uh, considering volunteering. See, Miss Chrissy, if you are working in the nursery and uh, would be willing to cover an extra slot in the nursery schedule, uh, so we cover this four services a week, uh, two in the morning service, uh, one in the evening service, Wednesday night. So if you're willing to help out in any of those, uh, please see Miss Chrissy. That would be a great help. It's always a good thing to need nursery workers, right? We're always glad to have the babies, but uh, there is a price for it, so uh, that's where it's time. So uh, jump in there with that. Anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? So we have uh, we share a letter from our teenagers from camp each week. Uh, we did this differently this year, so they're writing anonymously uh, to us instead of writing a letter to themselves. And so uh, listen up. This is a good one. If you have teenagers or, uh, or have teenagers in your family, you need to hear this. This week at camp, I decided to make God my life by spending less time on my phone. Give me an amen, somebody. That would be a good thing. I didn't want to be consumed by my phone. I wish parents understood that what would make that easier... Now listen, this is important, it's going to, this is uh, what would make that, we all want them to spend less time on their phones, don't we? So what would make that easier is giving the opportunity to go out with friends more often. We need, now listen to what they say, I didn't say it, this is their words. We need more freedom to start to learn how to be a real person, as opposed to a virtual one, you understand? And so another, in order for that to happen, in order for us to pull them away from the virtual world, we have to get them involved in the real one. And so getting time with friends and family is the way that happens. I'm going to tell you just really simple. One easy way to do that is Sunday night, Wednesday night. You're already here Sunday morning. You know, we have opportunities for them to rub elbows with real people. And uh, so 
I'm just saying, there it is. Uh, the teenagers are literally begging, begging us to help them do these things. And so uh, that would be a great help. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity to be in your house, to sing your praises, to lift you up, to worship you together. God, I pray that you would be with our teenagers and help them, Lord, to, to consider and, and remember these decisions and to be willing to uh, make the hard decisions that are necessary to see these things happen. God, I pray that you be at the Mackays and just be an encouragement to them and lift them up and, and draw them close to you and, and uh, bring them to that place where you need them to be for uh, proper service. And we bring this service before you and pray that your hand of blessing will be upon every aspect of it, that everything that's said and done bring glory and honor to your name, that we would know it's been good to be in your house. And Lord, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ is coming. Are you ready? He's coming back. We don't know when. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Hope you're ready for that. If you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, it can be an exciting time because you'll be with Him. If you don't know Christ today, you can know Jesus Christ, your Savior, and be raptured with Him together. We'll sing about that this morning. We're so glad you're here with us. Please stand if you're able to and join us as we sing, Jesus is coming again. <clears throat> Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the King, Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. 
from Matt Huggins on the trumpet, the solid rock. Stand once again, if you're able, for our morning scripture reading of Ephesians, chapter number 6, verses 1 through 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service, as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free." And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. We'll keep singing about Christ uh, coming back. Next song we'll sing is Christ Returneth. In vain. Oh, 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 oh,
Bible says, Revelation chapter 20, the second last verse in the Bible, it says, He which testifies saith these things, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We'll keep singing about that this morning. This is a previous hymn of the month that we did a couple years ago. We'll sing all four verses of Come Quickly, Lord. Creation groans beneath the curse Oh, um. 
Devin. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter of 2 Samuel. Yesterday, I was, uh, so my, I think I've told you, most of you, my nephew Benny is uh, 14. He's struggling with uh, leukemia. And so they were doing a fundraiser. Uh, he's probably going to survive, but it's a two-year battle of chemo, and he's lost kinds of, all kinds of weight. Anyway, but they're doing a, they were doing a fundraiser for him. At, he goes to Bethesda school and uh, so they were going to use our blow-ups and it was a five mile k well i run once a year all right i run on thanksgiving morning and so i was i 
you know, usually kind of build myself up to that, uh, what do they call that Thanksgiving morning thing? Yeah, the drumstick dash. That's it, drumstick dash. So I was going to do that. And uh, so, but I haven't done any of that yet to get ready for it. So yesterday I was not going to do anything. I was just going to guard the blow-ups, you know, that's my job. And uh, so then we get there and my brother's there, my sister, I'm the baby of the family and they're all looking at me like, what are you going to do? And, and then pride kicked in, all right, I'm going to run this thing. So I ran that thing yesterday and I was like, I just was going to be able to move this morning. I was like, please, Lord, help me to... Oh, I feel pretty good, though, you know, it's just, whew. I You shouldn't do that. You ought to work on it a little bit before you get there. But uh, anyway, um, somebody texted me. Runners are upset. I don't know what it says. Runners are upset. Are you guys upset at me because I'm a runner? Let's see, runners are upset. A 5K is not five miles. Did I say five miles? I know, 5K, did I say five miles? It's three miles. It's a 5K. Trust me, it doesn't matter because it wouldn't matter if it's a mile. I have to work up to it. I'm not a runner. Uh, so it is what it is. So as we're getting ready, uh, last, by the way, we had the uh, funeral for Tim Vandergrift on Thursday, and we had two that trusted Christ as Savior. That was a praise. Maybe a third one, uh, two that were you know, pretty certain about, maybe a third. But anyway, uh, God was working, so continue to pray for Miss Nancy uh, as she's now having to adjust to that. But uh, So God was working. But uh, last week, because Tim was in the process of passing last week during the service, um, you know, I, I kind of switched it up. We talked about hope. And uh, this week we're going to hit back the sermon that I was going to do last week. But having said that, hope really is involved in this sermon as well. David said in uh, Psalm 27, at the end of the psalm, he said, I can't remember what verse it is, but he said, I had fainted. He, in other words, I would have given up. I would have quit a long time ago, David said. I had fainted. Unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, in the here and now. The grace of God does a great work, and yes, we have the hope of heaven, and we can look forward to that. That is something great. But the reality is, that we have more than just heaven to look forward to because God is doing a work in our lives in the here and now. And God is changing us, molding us, and shaping us into the image of His Son. And so I want to talk about that hope that we have. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever asked yourself, how could God use somebody like me? Now, I don't know the backgrounds of everybody here, you know. Over here we have the teenagers. You probably haven't done a whole lot. Uh, to, uh, to mess up your lives quite yet. But the reality is sin destroys everything it touches. It really doesn't matter. You know, we're the ones that kind of put the quantifiers on sin. Well, I, I sinned really bad or I didn't sin really bad. But, but sometimes, you know, the devil comes along and whispers, right? That's what the Bible teaches us that the devil does. He is the accuser of the brethren. And he whispers in our ear, God could never use someone like you. And we stop and reflect on all of the things that we've done to mess up our lives and mess up our testimonies. And we realize that it's going to take a mighty work of grace for God to be able to use somebody like me. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and you say, man, Pastor, I bring so much baggage uh, with me that it's difficult for me to figure out how God could ever use me. I don't know what it might be. Maybe some of you have alcohol in your past and drugs in your past. Uh, maybe some of you have divorced in your past, or maybe you know, you've had so many people that you were with before you were married that that's an issue that you're dealing with. Maybe it's just the things that you, I don't mean just, but it's the things that you're looking at on the internet. Maybe the things that are in your past are only things that you know about, nobody else does, and you're like, I'm, I'm praying that the Lord will keep it that way. But you, you sit here and the devil keeps whispering, how could God ever use someone like you? And, and that's what I want to talk to you about is, I believe that, that the grace of God is so great and that the blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it uh, enables us to overcome even our past. I'm going to prove that to you from the scripture here. Uh, you're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 23. I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 22 as I begin reading. And uh, then we'll jump back in there. It starts out, verse 1, David. And if we stopped right there for just a moment, David. David would be enough for us to hang our hat on something. Can someone be used of God in spite of their past? 
Because David has the proverbial checkered past, right? Now, he started out pretty strong as a young man, uh, but then as an early king, he messed things up quite a bit. Uh, David brought a lot of baggage into the kingdom with him that God had to work around and through to help David overcome so that God could use him. Yet David is a man after God's own heart. He is a murderer, he is an adulterer, but he's a man after God's own heart. Uh, in verse 2, though, here's what I want to get to. It says, uh, start in verse 1, David therefore departed and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they came and went down thither to him. Now look at verse 2. Oh, you don't have to look there, I'm just going to read it to you. And everyone that was, and listen to this, in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became the captain. How would you like this? I mean, how would you like for God to gather around all the people who have a bunch of baggage, they're in distress, they're discontent, whining, griping, complaining, they're in debt, which means literally carries a lot of legal weight in the Old Testament. It means that they're slaves to somebody. And the fact that they're there with David probably means that they're violating, they've escaped, so to speak, and they're violating uh, the law. And so here they are, and all these people have gathered themselves to David, and David becomes the cat. Wouldn't you just love to have these people under your leadership? Distress, discontent, uh, in debt, and, da- and God says, here, David, let me give you some people to work with. I mean, it sounds like that God was putting together the First Baptist Church right here. Right? It's like, wow, this is where we all are, is it not? This is our past. We all, we all come together in worship every Sunday, but we come and, and we brought our baggage with us. Could God ever use us? Because God knows what we did last week, last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. He knows where, where our past was. And he's brought them all together. And this, these are the people that David... Can you, I, I've always, often imagined David trying to uh, introduce his, his army, Right? Uh, oh, by the way, these are my men. <laughs> how, how excited would you get about that? And, and they're sitting back there griping, complaining, whatever it is. They're in distress, they're discontent, uh, they're under all kinds of pressure. Uh, these are the people that God's given David to lead. But let me show you something that is an incredible thing. Now we're in 2 Samuel chapter uh, 23. And look at verse 8. And these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. Now, it's an amazing thing. Back there in verse 22, it says, they're about 400 altogether. David became captain over them. And they're a, they're an, they're a mess. I mean, they are just, it's going to be difficult. I mean, David's like herding cats here. Uh, it's trying to get these men to work together. And finally, though, we get to this place where time has passed. God has had a chance to work. And when God begins to work in people's lives, God changes people. And we get over to chapter 23 of, of 2 Samuel, and it says, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. And what's going to happen is God's going to give us a list. There's 37. 37 of those 400 have become standouts. And that doesn't mean that the other, you know, uh, what is it, uh, 300 and, what would it be now, 500 and, uh, that's it, what is it? 343, is that what it would be, 343? 37 of them, anyway, 37 of the other, there's 400, are standouts. And what they do, what God does through them is amazing. Let's take a look at it. Uh, it says, the Tekanite, Tekmanite, I'm sorry, that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was, and by the way, teenagers, you can thank the Lord for your parents right now. The same was Adino, Oh, man, I have heard a lot of strange... I have strange names in my family. Have I told you my family's names before? Yeah, I think I have. So I have a nephew... I've got to be careful because my family's listening now. I love them all. I love them all, but I don't know where their heads were when they were naming some of their kids. My grandmother... My grandmother had a Zelda, a Zelmer, a Mervil, a Luther, a Leland, a Liebert. I mean, I think she just hated her kids. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You know, Zelda, Zelda married Elmer, and Zelmer married Alvina, and uh, Merville married Opal, and 
And then they, then the cousins came along, Dorcas and Georgiana, and <laughs> then it gets to my family. My, my, I've got a nephew named North and a nephew named Case, and an, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. So they must have been reading their Bibles, I guess, because Adino is here, but you can thank the Lord. But look what he does. It says he lifted up a spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Now, he goes from this hot mess back here that joins David years earlier, and David's probably thinking to himself, thank you, Lord, I really appreciate the, this band of people you've given me to lead. You know, they're, they're, they are just, wow. I mean, you and I would not handpick them. And yet, out of that, God draws out men. And here's this guy, who in the, when the odds are 800 to 1, he takes a stand and wins the battle. 800 to 1. Can God take you and use you to do something unusual and something amazing? If God can take some of these guys and bring them to the place where at some point, this is, the, this is what they're able and willing to do. 800 to 1. I mean, the, the issue that David's dealing with back there in, in 1 Samuel 22 is an issue of character, right? These men struggle with character. I mean, they're in distress, they're in debt, and they're, dis they're uh, discontent. I mean, there's a character flaw, and that's all of our problem. That's the big baggage that we carry with us, not what we did, but who we were that caused us to do what we did. And that's what we bring with us. And God saves us when we come into God's kingdom. And now, can God use us? Can God take this guy who has no character and make it to where he's willing to stand when the odds are 800 to 1, and he wins. Are, are, are we willing to be used of God to take a stand like that, by the way? I mean, the courage that takes... God talks about be, not, being, you know, not being discouraged, but to have courage, to, to uh, have boldness, and he talks to us again and again about these things in the Scripture. Can God take us from where we were and bring us to be an Adino? who will stand in the face of all odds and stand up for what is right and be used of God. You know, folks, I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but the world is no longer the friend of the church. You go back 50 years, and the church had a lot of sway over our society. But right now, the worst thing you can be in America is a Christian. It's not, and it's not getting better. It's going to take an awakening, a spiritual awakening for that to get better. So in the meantime, we better learn how to stand. Our kids better learn how to stand. God takes us from where we, where we were. Don't you love that old song, Just As I Am, Without One Plea? Just As I Am. God doesn't say, you go clean your life up and come back, and then I'll consider it. No, no. God takes us just as we are. And he makes something of us. And the first one that's mentioned here is Adina, but keep going. He rose and smoked, verse 10, of the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever had that happen where you've been working so hard that your hand, like, you can't hardly get it to break free? Years ago when I first became your pastor, uh, some of you might remember this, but it was like a compound. I, I'm not making this up. You, you could not see the road. There were like 10-foot high weeds. Uh, there was just this whole big... Uh, brush all the way around the property the whole the whole 10 acres was just encompassed on both and there's like this little driveway and, and there's a sign that says there's a church back there. i don't know how anybody ever came to visit our church i really don't because it was like you know it, it had to be frightening to to drive in because you're like driving in. it's just okay and it's like a compound back here and i determined that first year i was the pastor i said there's no way god gave us this property to hide it behind all this brush, but it's like three or four feet deep and ten feet high, and all I've got, you know, we don't have a lot of machinery around here, so all I've got is a hatchet and an axe, and I go to work. I mean, I'm every day out there chopping and chopping and chopping and chopping and chopping. One day I got so, so stressed and, and uh, done with it, I decided I'm going to try You know, you see farmers burn their fence row out, you know, so I'm, I'm going to go try to burn the fence row out over here on this side. So the field over there. Mr. Smith was, I think he had beans in there then. It may have been corn, but I think it was beans. And uh, 
So I go, and I, I light it, and I was shocked how quickly it took off. And now I'm panicking. So I'm trying to get a hose, and there's, there's no water here. This building wasn't here. So I'm trying to get a hose and run water out there, and I can't get, and I'm running buckets, five-gallon buckets of water back and forth, trying, because I'm panicking, thinking, I'm going to catch this whole field on fire, and now I'm going to be in real trouble, right? So, oh. But I remember, I remember many days. At the end of the day, I'm trying to literally peel my hand off of axe because I've been working so much. That's what Adina was doing, and he's fighting this battle. He's got so much character. He says, I am not going to quit. I'm not going to stop. I'm not giving up until the job is done. Now, he started out, didn't start out that way. He started out being somebody you'd look at and think, I, don't, I just do not have that guy in my army. Thank you very much. He's discontented. He's in debt. He's in distress. This guy's a mess. And God took him and made something out of him. Can God do that for us? Yes, he can. Take a look at verse, uh, verse 9. And after him was Eleazar. I love this one. The son of Dodo. Thank you, Lord. I've got the three most boring names on the planet. John, David, Ray. Yes! <laughs> I don't know how I got them. I really don't. Because you've heard the names of my family. But I'll take them 100% over Dodo. Uh, but anyway, the son of Dodo, the Aeonite. Uh, Aeonite. Uh, and one of the three mighty men of David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together in the battle of the men of Israel were gone astray. And he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and clave to his sword. I, I said that, I'm sorry. Uh, clave to his sword. Go down to verse 11. And after him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together to, into a troop where it was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled, listen to what it says, and the people fled from the Philistines. Now here's what's happening. Here's Shema. And everybody else is running away. You get the picture? The people are fleeing. The Philistines are coming. The people are fleeing. But look at what verse 12 says. And he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Can God use somebody like you? Can God use somebody like me? Can God use somebody like Shema? Who started out pretty weak didn't start out bringing a lot to the plate. But God began to work in his heart. And years later, here he is, and he's standing in the field, and everybody else is turning tail and run. Teenagers, when you're at school, it's going to be difficult for you to take a stand sometimes. Everybody else is going to be going the other way. But if you'll let God change you, make you into something different, then we'll be that kind of person who is able to stand up in the midst of the enemy coming and everybody else is turn tail and run. You think we need some people like that in our society? Think we need some people like that in our churches? Could one of those people be sitting right here? Well, that's the possibility. He becomes a faithful person from what he started out to be. Look at verse 13. And three, the Bible says, three of the 30 chief went down and came to David in the harvest time under the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. So David's over here, Bethlehem's over there, Philistines have Bethlehem. And listen to what David says. David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. I mean, David's just kind of talking out loud. He's just kind of talking to himself. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to be able to taste the water of Bethlehem right now? That well, I remember how good that water was. You ever had one of those wells? My, my grandmother, uh, she had a, an old pump well outside of her house. That was, uh, when I was about 11, we gave her, we, I had nothing to do with it, but the family gave her running, inside running water for Christmas one year. It was a big deal, right? She didn't have running water. So, but I tell you, you'd go out there, you had to prime the pump first. And you pump that thing, and the water that came out of there was so cold it would hurt your teeth. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you never had that experience. And it was like the best-tasting water you'd ever want to taste. And I'm telling you, the well, that well pump, it was like rusted and nasty-looking. And you'd think, who would ever drink out of that? And we would fight over getting to drink out of it. We couldn't wait to get to Grandma's because that was the best water. I'm 
to this day, it's the best water I've ever had. Now, since then, the well's been condemned. You know, the city of Worthington has outgrown well water. And, and, uh, but, you know, it, she had a well and an outhouse, and we finally got city, you know, got some nice uh, running water whenever we were, I was 11. But, man, that was good. That's what David's doing. David's like, oh, if I could just taste that water. And three of David's men, three of these men who started out discontent, in debt, discouraged, whiny, mopey, Three of these men who, who, didn't, who lacked the character to do anything else, so they joined up with David because David was running away from the king. Three of those men overhear David. And they literally go through the Philistines, sneak themselves into Bethlehem, go to that well, bring some water, and they bring it to David. And when David sees it, he's like, this, this is too precious. This is too holy for me to drink. These men have put their lives at risk that I might have a drink of this water. And David goes over and pours the water onto the ground as an offering to the Lord. Because he realizes it's, there's too much has gone into getting that water for him to be worthy of it. How does God take these men who start out selfish, self-centered, all those things, and get them to the place where they are so gracious and kind and caring and loving that they overhear David just simply say, oh, it'd be nice to have a drink of that water. And the Bible literally says they imperil their lives. Take a look at, take a look at the verse um, 17. He said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. He's talking about drinking that water. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. Can God take us with all of our baggage that we're bringing into his church? Can God take us and still use us? And the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, God can use us. He can... David said, I would have given up a long time ago if I thought I had to wait to get to heaven to do anything. I would have fainted unless I believed to see the, land, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And, and God's working in the hearts of these men. They become loyal servants, uh, loving David. Go to verse 18. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, the chief among, the, among three, he lift up his spear against 300 and slew them that had the name of three. He was the most not was not ah I'll get there was he not most honorable of these? Therefore he was their their captain. Howbeit he did not attain to the first three. Even he wasn't used as much as other people. God is working. God takes His grace is doing a work in our hearts right now. And so what I'm saying is I don't care what your past is. We all bring a past. We're all here because we need mercy and grace from the God of heaven. That's why we're here. Can God still use us? And the answer is yes. It is time for us to quit wallowing in our past. Do we believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than sin? And if so, can we not then rest in the knowledge that he has separated us from our sin as far as the east is from the west, that he has buried our sin in the deepest sea to remember it no more. Can we trust God to get us past our past and use us anyway? Verse 20 says, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man, who had done many acts, he slew, I don't get this, I just am being honest, I don't understand how to fully understand this and explain it to you, he slew two lion-like men. Of Mo What's it mean to be a lion-like man? Now, in my mind, I'm picturing like uh, Alice Cooper, you know, <laughs> big head of hair and somebody just looks crazy, and crazy eyes, ah! You know, that's in my mind. I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's what it was or, or if they were just so brave and vicious that they're called lion-like. But anyway, he slew, slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went also down and slew an actual lion in, the pit of, in, in a pit. And then he slew an, an Egyptian. And God just, you know, he, he's being used of God. In fact, he, the Bible says in verse 21, he slew the Egyptian with his own spear. Right? The guy has a spear, apparently, 
apparently, we don't know, Beniah didn't have anything. And so he takes the spear away from the guy and kills him with his own spear. And these things did Beniah, the son of Jehoiada, and had many, uh, had the name among the three mighty men. He was more honorable than the 30, but he attained not to the first three. And God uses all these men. Can God use us in spite of our past? The last one, now we're skipping way down to the end of the chapter now, but the last one is an amazing thing to me. His name you'll recognize. And to put him in the, in the name of, of the mighty men of David brings us back to the beginning where we started with David. Take a look at verse 39. Uriah, the Hittite. Thirty and seven in all. Out of the 400, 37 became standout that God used in phenomenal ways. And Uriah is one of them. And that's an amazing thing. What do we know about Uriah? Who was Uriah? Bathsheba's husband. Can I ask you something? Who killed Uriah? David. Can God use someone who has the audacity to kill someone Whose, whose life had been touched by the grace of God in such a way that he became an honorable man. And David kills him. And yet, and yet, David is the man after God's own heart. Can God use us? Can God take us with all of our baggage and work his work of grace in such a way that he is able to use us? And the answer is yes. So how do we get to that point, Pastor John? How do I do that? This is an amazing thing. You know the guy who stood up against 800? God gave him an opportunity to stand up. Are you going to do it? Take a stand or run? The guy who had 300, everybody else was running. He had a chance to take a stand. He did it. How many people overheard David say, oh, I'd like to have a drink from the well, but three took up the opportunity to go. Do you know what it takes for God to overcome our past? Is for you and I to be willing to be used. When the opportunity comes, let's take advantage. Let's do it. Has God given you a chance to stand up at work or at school? To take a stand for the things that are right? Has God given you a chance to, to do an exceptional service for someone just because you know that it would please them? When opportunity comes, the honorable one, the standout, is the one who jumps to the opportunity. God, I believe, wants to not only overcome our past, so that, you know, here's the reality is, the Bible says we are to, to be lights in a dark world, right? We're to let our light so shine that men may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. We're the light of Jesus Christ, and we're a city set on the hill. The idea is that people are supposed to see the grace of God in our lives, but if we pass up the opportunity for God to display His grace through us, how do we get to that point? God's going to open up doors of opportunity this week, I believe, even this week, and in spite of our past, use us as honorable men. For his glory and his honor. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. So, Pastor John, I know I'm a Christian. That's not the issue. I know that I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. If I die today, I know I'd go to heaven. But, Pastor, I, I'm realizing that I am letting opportunities pass me by to be that mighty person, that honorable person that God would want to display his grace through. And I don't want to let those opportunities pass me by. Pastor, would you pray that I'll be courageous enough, bold enough to step up when my time comes, to take a stand, to not give up, to hold on to that sword, to be that one full of compassion that would go out of my way to serve. Pastor, I know I'm a Christian, but I'm letting the opportunity slip past me. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Hands shooting up. Thank you, thank you. Maybe there's someone say, Pastor, the truth is, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. 
You're talking about what Christians ought to do. But pastor, I'm, I'm just coming here with my baggage. And I need the grace of God to first and foremost forgive me and cleanse me. And pastor, that's where I'm at. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Anyone like that? Father, many, many tender hearts are here. God, I pray that as opportunities come our way this week, that we would be willing to be used, that we would allow your grace to embolden us, to make us that honorable example of your grace, and that people might see your hand at work in our lives afresh and anew. Be with each one of us, raise their hand, give them boldness and courage, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing... What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. The altar's open to you. You step out. Let the Lord have his way as he's spoken to your heart. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Then I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. Amen. You may look this way. Uh, we met last week with uh, Mark and Shane Morris about uh, membership. Brother Mark, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you die right now, you know you go to heaven. Amen. And you follow the Lord and believers in baptism, and it's your desire to join our church? Amen. And Michelle, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you die right now, you know you go to heaven. Amen. And you follow the Lord and believe his baptism. It's your desire to join our church and serve the Lord here. Amen. Uh, it's weird the way we do this with separated services, but uh, all those in favor of accepting the Morrises in the membership of the church, let me know raising your hand. And opposed, same sign. You're in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're glad to have you. And I'm just going to say, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, Mark, but I'm just going to tell, tell you all up front. So Mark has, he's vision impaired. He has some vision, but he's vision impaired. So if you go to shake his hand, Give him a moment. He'll find it or you find his hand when he puts it out. That's the easiest way uh, for that to happen. And uh, they've got a couple little ones. And one on the way. You're due when? November when? 11th. November 11th. So, okay. Praise the Lord. So we're excited about that. Anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? Lord bless you. Keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Give you peace. God bless you. You are dismissed.